things fell through at about 10, 11 today. And um, and uh, right there in worship, my husband said to me, you want me to do it? I was just thinking about that day he was sitting in that, that restaurant. Uh, what is it, six feet under? Woo, what a change it has been from that day to this. We didn't think it was coming this quick. We talk about it all the time. We didn't know, we was, we, we know it was going to be, be this quick. I have a man of God. He is, he is a man of the word. Uh, listen, ladies, those of you who are waiting to be married, don't settle for anything less. If you settle for anything less, you will regret it for the rest of your life. You will regret it for the rest of your life. Man, that was kind of dope, sir. So funny, I asked him, you know, what would you do? Immediately he thought of a, he thought of a verse that just came up out of him. Why? Because it's in him. You know what I mean? It's fire, man. It's fire, man. As uh, Frederick said, uh, Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn are out of the country, actually. Um, and they're with their, one of their pastors in Canada. And uh, Elder Yule and, and Jane are in uh, St. Louis with Uncle Ray. Uh, Rayfield Green. Sorry, you know him as Rayfield, Bishop Rayfield Green. And uh, so uh, we're going to we together are going to handle things the way they need to be handled today. Is that all right? And I believe the Lord has already stepped foot in the building, so we pretty much just have to follow him. Is that good? Father, in the name of Jesus, you are a great shepherd, a good shepherd. And you lead us, whether it be by quiet water, waters or through the valley of the shadow of death, with you, we always have what we need. And we are grateful today that you give us the opportunity to learn of you and to be charged to answer the call, to complete our purpose on every assignment that you would have us in this next week. We're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you uh, clap your hands if you're grateful for our worship team this morning? They, they gave of their hearts this morning. I'm grateful. Man. I don't know what the Lord is getting ready to do, so sit down. Let's let him do it. Uh, I really do have no idea what's getting ready to happen, uh, but I'm uh, sensitive enough to let the Lord do whatever he's going to do, if that's all right with you. Um, while I was sitting uh, in my seat last week, the Lord told me what I what I needed to speak about um, and it was it was kind of a lot so uh, we're gonna we're gonna move a little fast today is that all right so I need you to um, follow me and I want you to follow close because I'm speaking to you I'm speaking to you you who must leave this building and live your real life this is not the game this is the locker room. 
This is where we receive the play so that when we leave here, we know exactly the strategy that we need, to, that we need so that we can win when we're in our life. Um, I was inspired by, by Rahab the hoe. Anybody else was inspired by, by Rahab the hoe? That hoe was bad. She was bad hoe. If ever I aspired to be a hoe, no, no, I'm just playing with you. Well, I could be a hoe in my own bed. Anyway, that's, that's another place. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, especially those of you who are single. I've been waiting to talk like this for a long time. Let me have it just a little bit. <laughs> I was inspired by Rahab and particularly Joshua. Um, the Lord took me back from Rahab back uh, to Moses. And Moses was an interesting character. Um, and we, we pretty much know the story of Moses, but I want to bring or to bring into light some things that we may not have thought about. Um, so let me, those of you, first of all, if you've never heard the story of Moses, if that's something that you've like never heard before, like in its entirety from the birth to the death of Moses, anybody never heard that story before? Never ever? Never ever? Oh, wow, so everybody in the building knows. Maybe it's somebody that's online that's watching who's never heard the story of Moses. We can find his story in Exodus 2. He's, he begins in Exodus 2. Um, Exodus 2 is where uh, the king hears, uh, actually, uh, he sees that the, uh, the Israelites are making too many babies. They're making so many babies that the midwives can't even keep up with the births of the babies. Like, like he's charged the birth, the, the birth, the, the midwives to, to kill all the baby boys that are born in this season. Talk about now being a, a reenactment of what has always happened. Happened when Jesus was getting ready to be born happened again when Moses was getting ready to be born. I wonder what the Lord is getting ready to birth in this season while people are aborting the hundreds of millions of babies that have been aborted in this generation. I wonder who's lurking. Maybe Crimson or Champion brewing around up in here. Maybe to, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> I was even talking to the Lord just now when he was talking about the God of miracles, the God who brings the dead to life. It's about a particular time so we don't get worried about when or if. But it's because of a, of a particular time that God has in store. Speaking to somebody today. So Moses is born and his mother looks at him. Wondering what you see, mom, when you look at your children. Moses' mom looked at him and saw that he was a special baby. And she knew she couldn't say anything about his, his birth because she knew, she knew he was special. That's what the Bible says in chapter 2 of, of, of Exodus. I'm going to give you a little brief, brief the, 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 the quick one for, for chapter 2. What I love also about Moses, I don't know if you knew or realized, but Moses was a Levite. You know, the Levites were the ones that were responsible to, to, to preach, lead, be the priests for the Israelites. They, they were the bloodline that were responsible for that. 
so interesting. It, it really caught my attention this time. Man, that was pretty interesting. Uh, maybe not to you, that's okay. Moses was a beautiful baby. Um, and that's interesting. So Moses' mom could hide him no longer. Man, the faith of that woman to put her baby inside of a basket, wipe it with tar so that it wouldn't sink, and send it down the river. The faith of that woman, the ovaries of that woman, because she didn't have uh, uh, testicles, you understand? The, 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 the ovaries of that woman to, to, to send her baby down the river and then her daughter to watch it all the way till she sends it down to the river where that river, of course, ended at Pharaoh's daughter's house. I know Prince of Egypt told you it was Pharaoh's, what, his sister or his wife, his wife. That's what, listen, the Prince of Egypt is not wrong, it's not right. I know when you was looking at it, you forgot it wasn't real. But it was Pharaoh's daughter, nonetheless, which means that Moses grew up like a prince, literally like a prince. But in the real story, he knew he was a Hebrew. Um, it was customary back then that they would nurse the baby for as long as they could. So he could have been on his mom's uh, breast for five years. Uh, no. No. When you get teeth, that's it. Because <laughs> you bite me, I'm going to bite you back. <laughs> I'm sorry, just playing. So M Moses knew who he was. He knew that he was a Hebrew, even though he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. He grew up with a sense of justice. He was sneaky. He was a liar. He was a murderer. He still had that Egyptian in him. He grew up a Hebrew, and his mama probably taught him about the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew about him. But he still had a little Egyptian in him. Moses, uh, he still had a little Egyptian in him, so he dressed like an Egyptian. We know this because after he killed an Egyptian for, for killing one of his family members, he, he fled and went away. He went to the backside of the mountain. I'm going to tell you about it in just a moment. When he was in the backside of the mountain, uh, he met a Midianite priest. And that Midianite saw the justice in him, even though he looked like an Egyptian, which is what his daughters, uh, the Midianite's daughters told him, this Egyptian helped us. And uh, even though they called him an Egyptian, Moses knew he was a Hebrew but he was hiding his identity. Anyway, this, this priest gave him a wife and a job. And, and the, the job he gives him is to be a shepherd. Strikes me as interesting that the, the Redeemer 
the leader of the millions of the Israelites would start off as a shepherd. A shepherd with a staff and a few sheep. He's on the backside of the mountain. See how much of this I can tell you. Uh-huh. He's on the backside of the mountain. And uh, you ready, Kenny? You know I had to show you something. Did you think you was going to get away from me without me showing you something? And, and he's on the backside of the mountain, and this is, this is what he sees. Here I am. Take the sandals from your feet. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. Who are you? I am that I am. I don't understand. I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. of Egypt, the son of the man who slaughtered their children. You've, you've chosen the wrong messenger. How, how can I even speak to these people? Who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf, the mute, the seeing, or the blind? Did not I? Now go!
Moses, I shall be with you when you go to the king of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not listen. So I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders. Take the staff in your hand, Moses. With it, you shall do my wonders. I shall be with you, Moses. make you want to go see the movie again. I think I said it like three times. Fall asleep to it twice this week, but I've seen it at least three times this week. I discovered something in, in this part of the story that I believe is for us today. So let's look at the word of God. Exodus 3. We're going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read the first three chapters right now. You ready? All right, here we go. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side. West side. Ain't that right, Evie? Of the, west, of, the wild, of the wilderness. Did you see that? It was the west side of the wilderness. Check it out, though. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. That's what Horeb means. Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I, am, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight and why this bush is not blanked up. Mer Moses was on the backside of the mountain in the wilderness, but it was the mountain of God. Did you hear me? No, nah, you ain't heard me. It was the backside of the wilderness, but it was the mountain of God. Don't you despise the challenges that you're having in the wilderness right now? Because it's on the backside of the mountain that God wants to speak to you. Because even though it feels like the wilderness, it is the mountain of God. I feel the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it was a burning bush. But the bush was not consumed. I can't stop there. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. God waited until he was paying attention until he called his name. Sometimes we have things that are going on in our life and it's God calling your name. 
because he wants your attention. Turn to somebody and say, God wants my attention. I like that he called Moses by his name. Anybody else ever heard God call your name? I think it's one of the reasons why I start texting people their name. Because I kind of just want you to hear me say your name. If you ever, if you ever got a text message with your name, with your name in a text message from me, I don't know what that is. I, I love doing that. It's really just, anytime someone calls your name, it's just to get your attention. Turn to somebody and say, are you paying attention? I just discovered I'm not going to be long, but I will be strong. Verse 5. You ready? Then he said, this is God. He said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I'm sorry. The backside of the mountain in the wilderness is holy ground. Don't you curse it. Don't speak bad of it. Quit complaining about it. Because it's holy ground. And it is the place that God is trying to get your attention. Verse 6 and verse 7. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses remembered those words probably from his mama. Then Moses hid his face. For he knew, for he was afraid to look at God, excuse me, at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have, been, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. I'm sorry, God, I'm the one who's on the backside of the mountain in the wilderness. Lord, you were the one who called my name. Why are you talking about them? I'm the one who needs the miracle, God. Why are you talking about them? I'm the one whose name you called. Why are you talking about them? But God calls Israel his people. And if you believe like Abraham, like Paul said, that Abraham is the God or the father of our faith, God is talking about us. God is very aware of the sufferings of those who we love. While we're on the backside of the mountain, feeling a bit helpless about what we can do. We don't have enough money. One of my cousins called me couple of last week, not this just past week, week before. And I know 
Man, if I had it, I would have gave it to her. I had to say like, like Peter did, I ain't got no silver or gold, but I got something for you. I got to keep moving. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. I had to practice that before I read that. I think I'm playing this series. Verse 9. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. God wanted to remind Moses of the promise that he made to Abraham. Now let me tell you, that promise was made a long, long time ago. It was made to Abraham when he was about 75 years old. And for 25 years, God made that promise to Abraham. And all Abraham saw was one of his seed. Then his son Isaac had two sons. Then his son Jacob had 12. And then Joseph got sold off and ended up in the Egyptian's house. And there he was given a position of power. I'm helping Moses remember what God said and how it came along. And then when Joseph was in power, he was able to save his brothers who sold them off. My God, what must have happened in, jo in Joseph's heart on the backside of the wilderness because he was supposed to save his brothers. While they were in, in Egypt, now the Israelites, all of the 12 brothers and Jacob get to live in Israel and they started got to multiplying. And then the king, the next king that was up, didn't know nothing about Joseph and his family. So he put them all in chains. And for 400 years, say 400 years, 400 years, the only thing they could do was take pleasure in their own bed. And all them jokers did was multiply and pray. And they were slaves and they prayed. And then it came upon before 80 years before this moment. <laughs> 80 years before the burning bush, God saved Moses from the king that was involved there and he saved him from the king again when he was 40 years and then when for another four, sorry for another 40 years he was on the backside of the mountain in the wilderness and then we come to this moment and God reminds him but I am the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and when Moses heard those words, it was so deep to him, he was like, let me take my, I love it when he said, show this shoes in the back. Let me hurry up, the ground is moving, it's holy. <laughs> Anybody ever wonder why it's on the backside of the mountain in the wilderness that God will call you 
Verse 10, therefore, come now, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Egypt, out of Egypt. I'm sorry. Say that again, Willis. What you talking about, Willis? I know that you, Moses, have been freed from the taskmaster, the Pharaoh, and I know you feel like you're on the backside of the mountain, and now I am calling your name to send you back. I got to go back? I got to go where? It's not good enough for you to experience the miracles of God and the glory of God and the presence of God among the people of God. Put your hands up like heaven is at your fingertips. And you experience the, that's what we did just a minute ago. And you experience the glory of God and it's not enough You have to go back. What did Moses say? <laughs> verse 11, but Moses said to God, what's that first word in verse 11? But, Eric, all y'all jokers got a butt in your life. You got that butt, that B-U-T word. Listen, take it out, out, to, out of your mouth. But show you why. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out? Moses questions God based on his own identity. Moses can't see. Check this out. He said, you see what he said? He said, I should bring the sons of Israel out of, of Egypt. He didn't say, my family. He said, those people. Them over there. I, I thought this was interesting because we know that something happened in Moses for him now when he was facing Pharaoh. He said, let something had to happen to him. Between this moment and that, something must have happened to his perspective of his own identity so that he can now see those people as his own. Sometimes we, we look at that list that we're praying for and we see them as them over there. Those people over there. But would God, like Daniel, cried out for his people, have mercy on me. That's what Daniel said. Because he was crying out on behalf of his people. So he saw, he saw his people's sins as his own. And it gave him compassion for them. God wants to change your perspective today. I ain't even got to where I need to go. Verse 12. We're going to read 12 through 
like 16. And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. Oh, check this out. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. When, when, you shall brought, when you shall have brought the people of Egypt, you shall worship at this mountain. In other words, when you come to the backside of the mountain, sound like somebody else got to come back to the backside of the mountain in the wilderness. Everybody got to come. Everybody got to pass through here. You ain't special. Everybody got to come back over here. Even the newly delivered ones. Have mercy. You've got, and the thing is that you've, Lord, have mercy. You've got to lead them there. I can't stop right there. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, behold, I am going, this is Moses talking to God. Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel. He still ain't seen them as his people. And I will say to them, the God of the father, of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And Moses, and he said, thus, this is what you tell the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, your, the Lord, the God of the fathers of, of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has, what has been done to you in Egypt. Pretty much like, pretty much God was like, let me reintroduce myself. My name is the I am. And I got a plan. But you got to commit to be my man. I am who I am. Another way of that is saying, yeah. Did a little bit of a research about this Yahweh. There's so much on it. Uh, it's exhaustive, and that's appropriate because the name of God is exhaustive. Yahweh comes from the 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 verb heye. That's what I found, which means I exist. That's fire. That's so fire. In other words, God was like, if you got to call me something, if, if you just have to say something about the name if they ask you, just tell them that I exist. I am the truth. I am reality. There is no other existence but I. That's fire. I'm sorry, I want to be backed by that kind of God. I want, I want to be sent by that God. 
any other God, I'm going to be in trouble. You send me in the name of something else. First of all, I ain't going. Good luck. Good luck to you if you're going to go in any other name. Verse 17, so I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to the land flowing with milk and honey. This is God talking. Though they, uh, they will pay heed to what you say, this Lord telling Moses, they're going to hear what you say. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now, please let us, sorry, God is changing that thing in, him, in his own language. He's telling him, look, don't say let them. God told him right there, he said, don't say don't let them, but let who? Let us go three days journey into the wilderness and who we may, that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. In this moment, I'm seeing right now that God was basically getting Moses on his side. That he was getting Moses from seeing himself as a shepherd to seeing himself as a leader sent by Yahweh. Uh, when, when you remind, when you go to them, Moses was telling, God was telling them, when you go to them, remind them of what God promised them. And God reminds Moses that he is the us. So it's cool because though you are the one that is on the backside uh, of the will of the, we are in the wilderness on the backside of God's mountain, you too will be delivered. But your deliverance comes by you doing what God told you to do. Here's the question. Do you identify yourself as an us? I'm always looking for language, especially when I'm talking to some of you and you say, do y'all church so and so and so and so. I'm sensitive about it, as I think I should be, because we spend our life doing what we need to do to make sure we have what we need. Don't you call us a y'all. For we are remembering today that God is drawing a line in the sand. And he wants to know who is with us who is not? Some of y'all need to make a decision. Verse 19, but I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. I'm sorry, God is talking to him while he's on the backside of the mountain in the wilderness at the burning bush. And he's, and he's warning him, there will be opposition. I know you're speaking the truth. I know you're going in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm reminding you that there will be opposition. Some of you have taken up something that I, that I, that I, let me speak well of the people I'm called to. 
I feel the need to help us stop being such punks. As soon as you get a little bit of opposition, you want to quit. As soon as you get a little tired, you stop. You said you was committed, but you ain't showed up because of something that came in your life. God is trying to warn you that there will be opposition. There will be things that you will come up against that will feel like a wall. It will feel like something that is opposite of what you're doing. I know you, it's the truth that's coming out of your mouth. I know you are convinced about what you're saying. I know that you are going where you said, where he said for you to go. But there will be opposition. Take it as a sign. You're exactly where you need to be. Quit punking out. Sorry. My mama don't raise no punks. And if you call my, yourself a brother and a sister, spiritual children of Flynn and Carolyn Johnson, bump that, a child of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can't be a punk and walk this way. You got to man up. Let them ovaries do what they're supposed to do. You need some gonadinal fortitude. Because where we're going is not easy. We're living in a world that is polarized, pointed against everything that is holy, everything that is biblical. Everything that is Christ-like. You cannot be a punk and walk this way. You must stand on the truth of the existence of God. They cannot see him, but they can see you. And you have a responsibility to shine. Why am I yelling at you? Yelling at the demons that have kept you silent and punked out. It's all right, we're going to deal with it in just a minute. I ain't even gotten where I doggone want to be. Verse, verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all of my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. Did you see what the Lord said to you? I don't think you say heard what he said to you. <laughs> Let me say it to you. When you go, you need to be armed with miracles. We have too long seen, that's why I wanted you to get your miracle in, in worship. Because <laughs> when you leave here, you're not, you got to do miracles. Go ahead, if you need to, you can raise your hands and, and get the miracle if you want to. Because the, the reason why we got to get it in here it's because when you go out there, you need to be 
performing miracles. Jesus said, miracles will follow them. That means you got to go somewhere. Because everybody in here done had their miracle. You got, your miracle. you got your miracle already. Now it's time for you to go give a miracle. So, so when you come up against that wall of, 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 of affliction, of opposition, what busts that wall down is a miracle. What's the miracle she needs to turn her heart back to God? What is the miracle that will say to him, Oh, sugar honey, I see. I better know what God you serve. I better put this blunt down. I better take my shoes off. Because this is holy ground. Verse 21, I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. I want you to take, you, take this one moment right here and I'll say this, don't you worry about your own pocket. Don't you worry about your own health. Hear me, don't you worry about what you need because when God releases us from the enemy, we're not gonna go empty handed. God told, the, God told the Israelite women, y'all go all up and down the Israelite people. Go open, open their door and say, I want that, that, and that. Uh-huh. Give it here. Thank you. And I want that over there and that over there. And don't forget your jewelry box. Because when God releases us into the freedom that he wants to, he, we will not go empty-handed. We have been too worried about ourselves. Too concerned about what we need from God. Too worried about what our deficits and the things that we have going on. We forgot that God has called us to go and deliver miracles. And as we go, we will not go empty-handed. Going into to chapter 4, verse 1, then, G, then Moses said, now here we go with this joker here. I, I want to call him something else. I'll just call him a ninja. What if they don't believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Here we go, and fear has em entered the building. What was Moses afraid of? His own ability, his own voice, and his own power. His own inability, his own voice, and his own power. Verse two, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, and he said, he answered, a staff. 
God's answer to Moses' fear was what he already had in his hand. God's answer, God's answer to Moses' fear was what he already had in his hand. Now, what did he have in his hand? Don't you underestimate what you got in your own hand. I don't know why I keep coming back, but it's her, your DNA running through her veins. She ain't here without you. She ain't got no choice. Here, when I was talking to the Lord about this staff, this is what he said to me. It's something that he had already. You need to look and take a poll of the things that you already have. The staff, check this out. The staff is used not just to lead the sheep, but to help the shepherd climb the mountain. I know it's the backside of the wilderness, but what you got in your hand is what you need to help you to climb this mountain of God. Sorry, that was some that you can take it if you want it. It's, I thought about, the Lord reminded me that, he said, you know, uh, 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 the Psalms 23, thy rod and thy will do what? <laughs> Y'all know about the rod and the staff, it's the same stick. Whichever side you need, one side is the side that is a hook in your neck to tell you which way to go. The other side will break your leg if you sit the wandering off. And then, the, then the, the shepherd carries you while you heal to teach you, don't do that. Wandering off. And this isolation thing is something, it's a, it's, a, it's a pandemic to get you isolated away from the fold to get you wandering off. Shepherds break legs for stuff like that because it is within the fold that you find your place. When you get away from the fold, that's when you get picked off. And you need the staff to bring you closer to the fold so that when the enemy sees you, he sees something bigger than you. Because sheep have no other recourse but to band close together. And the ones that are off of stragglers, them the ones that get picked off because the wolves can see that they're individual. That staff, that staff is God's authority in prayer. It's God. It represents God backing you up. It's his ability to cross the impossible even with the devil at your back. Check me, go to the end of the story. What did Moses have to raise for the waters to part? Verse three, then he said, this is God talking to Moses, throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground and it became a snake. And Moses said, how many of y'all would have been just like that? 
Why are you running away from the authority of God? Why are you running away from your, the power that God wants to give you? It was something about a, a quote that says, we are not afraid that we're nothing. We're afraid that we really are something. Don't you run away from the power of God. <laughs> Lord, help us. God told Moses to throw it to the ground. We also can't hold the authority of God too tightly. We have to release it so that he can show us how power, powerful he is. But we must not run from it. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched it out and he caught it. <laughs> I mean, y'all would be like, <laughs> I see Moses trying to get that tail. <laughs> Uh, where was I? Verse four. Uh, so he stretched out and caught it and became and it became a staff. The power God has given to you doesn't look like power to you. The power that you already have in your hand, it doesn't look like power to you. Looks like just a stick. But it is the power and the authority of God. Verse 5, they said that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, Ike, and Jake has appeared to you. I want you to understand that the reason why God would give you this power is because you have something to do with it. It's because you have somebody to deliver. It's, somebody, it's because someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience to this God who is sending you off this, off this mountain and this backside of this wilderness into the enemy's camp. He's not giving it to you just so you can, just for, so you can be a magician. Woo, I've done a miracle. No, he's giving it to you because you, we have something to do. Verse 6, the Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand in his bosom and he said, and he took it out. Behold, it had leprosy on it, it came white as snow. Then he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and then he brought it out. Boom, it was restored. Verse 8, if they, will, if they will not believe you or heed your witness to the first sign, they will believe and witness on the second time. All right, so here's the deal. Some people ain't going to even believe in the miracles. And you know what? God gonna say, all right. Okay then, you know the story. Oh, why the wine don't bother you? All right, I'm gonna bring some frogs. Oh, you still don't wanna let them go? All right, I'm gonna do some locusts. All right, I'm gonna put balls over everybody. You understand? Yeah. What I'm trying to help you to see is, here's what I want you to see. Oh my God, you cannot fail. You cannot fail. God is not going to let you fail at the thing he called you to do. You cannot fail at the thing God called you to do. <laughs> but if they will not believe, then these two signs and heed, or heed what you will say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the, on the dry ground, and the water which you are take, take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Here's what I want you to see. God gave Moses a plan. Don't go out here willy-nilly because you got a good idea. 
You better make sure it's a God idea. Verse 10, then Moses said to, to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never uh, been eloquent, neither re recently nor the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Did, didn't I tell you? Oh, my God. But Moses interrupted him. Uh, Moses interrupted God with his fear. Shut up, my guy. The Lord said to him, who has, who has made your mouth? Or who makes the mute, him mute, or him deaf, or him sing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord, I'm sorry, whatever weakness you think you have, whether it's the way you speak, what your personality is, what your education is, what your color is, what your gender is, if you feel like it's a weakness, it is that that God wants to use. He was the one who made you tall. He was the make one to make you round. I got me a round one. You understand? God did that. Now it's on you to do with it that God wants you to do. All right? Uh, uh, verse 13, but he said, please, Lord. That joker is relentless with this fear thing. Now send the message by whomever you will. This is God, this is Moses saying, send somebody else. Verse 14, and we're, we're done right here. He says, verse 14, he says, Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, actually, I just want to read that part. Then the anger burned against Moses. This fear thing is a beast. It's a, it's a witch with a capital B. You heard me. Fear wasn't, fear, sin wasn't the only thing born of Adam. Hear me. Sin wasn't the only thing born of Adam. Check me, Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the nostrils of the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Here's, here's what I want you to see. In this moment, when God blow, blew himself into Adam, he blew the glory of God on him. He was clothed with the glory of God. Sorry, the power of God, the ability to execute of God. Do you see that? Do you see that? Check me. Genesis 3, 9 through 11. Then God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, this is Adam talking, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was what? Naked. I'm sorry. God did not put clothes on him ever before. He was always naked. And he said, who told you that you was naked? You've been doing something you ain't supposed to be doing. So in the moment when Adam decided to disobey God, this is why the tree was in the garden in the first place. It's because he did not create robots. God knew that he, did, he had to, in order for him to be honest about uh, giving humanity a real choice, he had to put a choice right, in the garden. Yeah. 
And when Adam decided to do the opposite of what God said, he stripped himself naked of the glory, the power, the execution of God's authority, and now he sees, uh-oh, I'm naked. That nakedness was, was the fear on him. What are you afraid of? Your own weakness? You scared God not gonna back you up? You scared to look like a religious Christian? Oh, you just wanna look like somebody who's cool. Like, I, I, just, I just wanna be relevant. I just, I just don't wanna be so religious. What? God is drawing a line in the sand. And he don't want to know the ones that are standing the closest to it. Some of y'all going to get to heaven. I don't know if you can actually get to heaven smelling like smoke. Because I remember a scripture where Jesus said, you're going to go to heaven having, having done miracles and prophesied and all this. And God going to say, who are you? So it must be those of us who are going to stand as far from that line as possible where the world can see who you really are. That we would shine with the glory of God because we are obedient to go back and be the deliverer God in, in, intended for us to, to be. It's fear that has kept us disobedient. And today, it needs to be done. What are you scared of? You don't have enough money? What are you scared of? If you, if you, if you give up uh, a meal, is you gonna be hungry? Like, what are you scared of? When the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the one who is backing you up. And then we fast forward into the story and we see two things that was a requirement for those who would be saved. Two things. Number one, that the blood of the lamb would be on the lamppost. Do you know what the other one was? It was whether or not you would be in the house. <laughs> you had to be inside the house you couldn't be at the door waiting on the preacher to shut up so you can go home you, 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 you couldn't be uh, uh, waiting on worship to be done to show up I'm going to turn my, my life this way I'm going to turn my life this way 
You had to be in the house. You know, those of us who are serious and wake up a couple of hours earlier on a Sunday morning to make sure that when the special meetings are called and the coaches calling the plays for the, for, the, for the leads on the team, that we're in the midst giving, getting the plays for that part. In the house. Not at the house, but in the house. Oh, I'm gonna be 30 minutes late, huh? I'm not picking on your promise. Oh, but I am. You ain't late to your show or to your job. Why would you show the house of the Lord any less respect? It's disrespectful. Not just to Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn, but it's disrespectful to the Lord. Because he's the one who called for this to be important. Those of us who are in the house. So today, come on, fellas. I know they look like, oh. Today we take communion. Today we are reminded of how important the house is. We are reminded that the blood, not of the lamb, like the little, the little sheep. A few years ago, me and my sister, we saw these pictures of these, of these lambs in, uh, where was it? It was in Marshalls. And I was like, I want me one of them. And uh, it was, it's, it's the sweet, you go to her house, it's all up on her, up her house. I'm waiting while I get my own house. Thank you, Frederick, for buying me my new house. Uh, with, uh, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. And uh, 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 when I get my, my, my house, you understand? Uh, I'm gonna put my lamb up. Because it's a reminder of the innocence of Jesus' blood, which is the only thing that qualifies as a, a, an appropriate sacrifice. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. There isn't enough money in the bank that can pay for one soul. Only the blood. Now listen, if you cut me, good luck. If I'm your, the blood person, you got to be, listen, you are not going to get there. You in trouble. But the blood of Jesus, and you know what? You don't even need a whole lot of it. You just need a little bit. You just need, you just need enough for the capacity of your own faith that will back, that is the, uh, a, a reminder of the backup that God is with you. You. Today, we take communion uh, to commit to God to go back. Oh, get I got a microphone in my hand. I know my dad usually give y'all the thing, but I promise you, I know y'all gonna be good with getting it yourself. Come on, get down here with that bump. Be careful, young buck. 
So um, let's go ahead and, and make our groups around you. There should be four to five people around you. Dad tells you to every other row to uh, turn around. But y'all, y'all people who still getting in the house keep so much chairs empty and sit all the way back there. So find your group, four or five people. I believe you can do it on your own, four or five people per group. When I count to three, I want you to point to the leader, one, two, three, boom. And once I say it again, let's confirm, one, two, three, boom. Leaders, if you would, raise your hands. Raise your hands. Leaders, if you would, go to the aisle that's closest to you. I got, if you're a leader, you can go ahead and go to the closest aisle. I have about five of them here my table. Everybody make sure you're good. That's good. I love it. To see serve the leader. That's awesome. There you go. You the leader? Uh-huh. It's good stuff. Everybody good? Yeah, come on through homeboy. actually come over here and get it. Tell me something over here. <laughs> come on over here. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Uber Eats. <laughs> this is not Uber Eats. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, sir. Does everyone have, does every group have your bread. All right, go ahead and pass it around. Make sure it's, make sure, yeah, I got it. Uh, make sure that it, everyone has a piece of bread and make sure you go ahead and dip that bread. All right, once you've got once you've got your bread, don't eat yet. Don't eat yet. We're going to eat together. Because I don't want you to eat if you ain't going to commit to what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to make sure you're good. So I'm going to wait till I hear silence, which means you're not communicating about what you need yet. I'm not telling you to be quiet as, making, as, as much as I'm making sure you go ahead and get this stuff dipped. Good. All right. Once you've gotten that, why don't you turn towards me? So, because I want your attention. Um, usually, whenever I'm um, thinking about about communion, the word covenant comes to my mind. Uh, a covenant is a whole lot more than a promise. Um, it's more like it's like a sentence that says. If I don't do what I'm committing to do, may I bleed. 
It's like, may what happened to the Lord happen to me if I don't do what God is asking me to do. Understand sort of kind of like what I'm saying? It's deeper than just something to say, oh, I just did that. What'd you say, Jay? I love that. Um, yeah, it is conditional, but the condi it's not a conditional statement, right? Or it is conditional, you were saying. Conditional on my behavior, my promise, my, my response to do what I said I was going to do. Um, I believe that this whole blood issue is a big deal. You know I feel like that. And I want you to think about the blood that Jesus shed and the way his body was ripped apart, not just so that you could be whole, which it was for that, but it was also what, what it's, it's like what power was released when his blood was shed comes into me as I take this bread and this, and this, and this wine. It's not wine, it's the juice. It's the fruit of the, the, fruit of the grape juice, all right? For y'all who have troubles, it's grape juice. <laughs> the best in the world, he said. It's like today, let's take, let's take covenant that we're promising the Lord that we're going to be obedient to him. Not just to be worried about ourselves, but to go outside these four walls and to shine. And I know we got to deal with some fears that are in our hearts as we go, right? Everybody has it. But I want you to see that this blood gives you power to deal with them fears. So as we, as we commune together, we are saying together that we are deciding to be in the house. And those of us who have decided to be the ecclesia, we are committing to God to be obedient to him. If that's your testimony, let's commune together. Now, in a second, I want you to turn back to your things, and I want you to deal with the fear that may be keeping you from finishing your promise, all right? Turn to your your groups leaders let's talk about the fear that you may be, that you may need to deal with in your